Uh, so today, we are uh, beginning a series of, of messages called the Insanity Loop, and it will last for five weeks as we gear ourselves up, prepare ourselves for the Easter season, if you can believe that or not. Maybe we can. Maybe we've been visualizing because we're just ready for the warmer weather, and we're thinking and envisioning Easter in our minds. But over these next uh, five weeks, we'll be preparing, looking to prepare ourselves for that, that Easter season. And we've called this the insanity loop specifically from a, a common phrase, a common phrase that, that many of us, I think, have said or we, we say insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Now you should know, if you look up in the dictionary, this is not the real definition <laughs> of insanity. Uh, this quote actually came, uh, many people attribute it to Albert Einstein and that's been refuted, and there's some debate over that. Um, but uh, it came from someplace, <laughs> and we say it, we, we commonly say it. We, it's a common un, uh, thing that, that we share, and we say, why? Because I find a lot of truth in this. If it, I, I'm guessing you do as well. In all different spheres of life, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results and making ourselves go crazy as a result because we're not seeing the results that, that we want to see. Because if we're going to put our effort, if we're going to put our time, if we're going to put um, anything that we have, any currency that we have, or just our resources, our time, our energy, if we're going to put that into something... We want to see something happen as a result, right? If we're going to spend our money, our time, our energy, if we're going to spend what we have on something, we want to see some ROI, some return on investment. Or some of us, we put effort and time and money and energy, maybe not into ourselves, but for the benefit of somebody else. We expect to see something, right? Some kind of results if we're putting something into it. But what happens then if, if we don't get results? What happens if, we don't be, if we're not getting ahead? What happens if we are not seeing the progress that we're, that we're aiming for when we're putting in all of that money and that time and that, that energy? What, what happens then? Uh, so when my wife and I were uh, in our early years of marriage, uh, we were in the outskirts of Ashland, Ohio. I was attending uh, uh, Ashland Seminary at the time. And uh, my wife had a job and she, was, she, she left to go um, for work. And uh, out in the, in the countryside in Ashland, much like many different areas of the countryside, they have these huge country ditches, um, if you can imagine. And they're like creeks, you know, because you know, when there's water, there's like lots of water that, that runs through them. Well, there was a lot of uh, freezing rain that particular morning, and my wife set out, and uh, it was really a scary experience, and, and it didn't really take her long, where she was just driving along, and it was one of those things where she really, she started to slide, and there was really nothing she could do. Like, it's not like she turned, or it just started to slide off of the road. And so she ended up in this big country ditch, and the car was sort of tilted like this, and because there had been rain and now freezing rain, there was water now coming into the driver's side 
doorway. So she, she panicked, you know, and, and just like when, whenever we get stuck or car stuck, what's our immediate response? We hit our foot on the gas, right? We've got to get out of this situation. And of course, we know how this works, right? Um, when we get our car stuck, is that the more we step our foot on the gas, the more our wheels spin and digs a, a deeper hole that we can't get, get out of. This is something we probably have experienced on many occasions. And so she was just left there sitting with this water coming into the car, realizing she can't move anywhere. And she calls me, and we call a tow truck, and we get her out of there, and, and the whole thing. And this really captures, many times, this insanity loop that we experience in all kinds of fears, spheres of life. We're not getting the results that we want, and so our, instinct, our, our, our resp- instinctual response is to, to try harder, to step our foot on the gas, to rev the engine more, to spin and to spin and to spin harder. And so in that, that, that all too often political debate, we feel like we're not being heard or they're not agreeing with me, so I'm just gonna get louder in my argument. Or, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I need, I, my, my partner, my relationship, uh, there's someone I'm in a relationship with and, and they're not really appreciating me and so I'm gonna, choose to behave in certain ways that's really not, you know, me, but I'm going to behave in certain ways so that they can see me and, and pay attention to me or recognize me. Or, or maybe we've been aiming for a promotion at work and we think if we just double down and we spend more and more hours and work harder and work harder, that will get us the results that we, that we want, even though we haven't gotten those results up to this point. Or, or parents with your children, maybe. Um, you're really concerned about your, your children learning life skills and, being, and developing and all of that, and so we keep signing them up for more and more extracurricular activities. And so to think that, that that's what's going to get them ahead in, in life. And sometimes when we're not seeing that progress, we're not seeing those results after spending time, energy, money into them, we're not seeing that there's an instinct within us sometimes to just press on that gas even more. And what happens? We end up getting burned out. Our bank accounts are empty. We're left in a worse state than we were before because we just kept spinning our wheels and digging the hole deeper. And what we need, what we really need in in our lives, and maybe you can resonate with this, What we need in our lives is a breakthrough. The things that we've been dealing with over and over and over again, we just can't get out of it with our own sheer effort. And we need a breakthrough. And so over these next five weeks, Pastor Steve and I, well, you know, we could talk about your relationship issues and how you get out of those. We could talk about your troubles at work and how do you get out of those. We could... Talk about, uh, could have a series about your finances and, and how you get yourself on the right track with that. But over these next five weeks, we're gonna talk about breaking through and breaking out of this insanity loop, not really addressing the specific situations that you might be dealing with that feels like you're just spinning your wheels. Instead, we're gonna trust and lean on one specific statement that Jesus made. One thing that Jesus made, one thing that Jesus said 
to me that makes all the difference in all of the ways we feel like we're spinning our wheels in life. And here's a statement in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Over these next five weeks, we could be talking about your life and all the different aspects of your life and how you break out of these different things and break through in certain areas. But my hunch is if, that, if we can help you and give you some ideas and, and help you think more about what would draw you closer to Jesus, then those things that you're experiencing, those spinning of the wheels in your life, suddenly will have a different angle to them. You'll have a different understanding. You'll have a different perspective to them. And even some of them, you'll begin to wonder why you were spinning your wheels in the first place. And so as we draw up closer to Easter in preparation for the Easter season, we're gonna try to give you some things, some ideas of what you can take on in your own spiritual life, your own spiritual practices, your own journey of faith that would help you draw closer to Jesus. If you might remember over the last six weeks since the beginning of the new year, we've been giving you a series of cautions or things to maybe um, let go of or to be, to be warned f- uh, about, such as we talked about temp- three weeks of temptation and how if we can resist temptation, that will draw us closer to God. And we talked about um, the idea of comparing ourselves with one another and the, and the damages to that and, and, and how if, if we can just see ourselves in the, through the eyes of, of Christ, then we will have no need to, to compare ourselves. So we're putting that aside. So over these last six weeks, we uh, encouraged you to put some things aside to restrict ourselves in specific ways to help us grow. Oh, and now over these next five weeks, we're gonna encourage you to take something new on, to accept a little bit of a challenge, to take a step forward in your faith, in your relationship with God. So I wanna start today with the idea or the, the practice of prayer. The practice of prayer. Now, prayer is really common, right? It sort of goes without saying that if you're a person of faith, you are also a person of prayer. In fact, all religions in the world have some form of prayer attached to it. It's just sort of the way we human beings practice faith, whatever faith it might be. In fact, there's even research out there to suggest that even agnostics and atheists will pray at times, depending on the different situations in their own way in some form or, or fashion. But if you're, maybe your experience is, is kind of like mine, that is, as much as prayer is common in terms of practicing prayer, the struggle with prayer is also just as common. In fact, I don't think I've met a single person, a single Christian who has not, never, ever struggled with prayer. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, those of you, just, if you've ever struggled with prayer, just, would you raise your hand? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, um, one of the types of prayers I'll talk about later is confession. We can mention that. <laughs> it's common to struggle with prayer. It's common to pray and simultaneously wonder if your prayer is making any difference. It's a struggle sometimes to find time to pray, 
to incorporate it into our lives. It's a struggle sometimes to go through the words of the prayer but not really meaning them. So whether it's the, our belief, our, our belief in the effectiveness of prayer or just incorporating prayer as a practice in our lives, I find that it's a struggle. And prayer in and of itself can be a part of its own insanity loop where I'm trying and trying, looking to break out, looking for some kind of breakthrough of new profound meaning and power in the midst of prayer, a new connection with God in prayer, and yet I'm still doing the same things over and again and expecting different results, and it's, not, it's just not, not happening for me. Uh, Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, he writes a book on prayer, and he confesses, he said, sometimes prayer just feels like a sanctified form of talking to myself. (laughs) We can struggle with prayer. And so when I read Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul was a leader of, of, of the early church, and he writes these letters Uh, that we read about in the New Testament. This was to the group of believers in, in Ephesians. And he says, pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. That feels really intimidating to me. That little command, that little exhortation, pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. When I look at this, and especially when I'm in the midst of struggling with prayer, gosh, you know what? Here I am, trying harder, doubling down, uh, 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 trying to, to, to solve my own problems, and I, I see this, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Paul, this just feels like a lot more work to me. All times? Every prayer? What possibly could you mean? But there's more here then I think meets the eye and I think more here that would give us uh, a little bit of a helpful understanding about prayer. So what I'd like to do is offer to you uh, three things. Uh, maybe uh, an understanding of prayer that maybe you haven't thought of before. A prayer perspective, a perspective on prayer and the way we uh, often approach prayer, new per- perspective. And then I'm gonna give you some examples about prayer that may resonate with you, some ideas of how you could take up a new prayer practice, um, or also give you a little encouragement if you're just not finding uh, a prayer to work in, in your specific life. So let's first talk about how we understand prayer. The most common prayer, I think if we were honest, the most common prayer that we that is out there is the request, right? We need and we ask God for. It could be all kinds of things, right? We have a need and let's be honest here, sometimes we try it on our own first and then the last resort is, okay, I guess I can't do it. Then I'm going to to ask God. Some of these um, fancy words for these are called petitions or supplications. You might hear uh, these words or read these words in your Bible uh, as well. There's also uh, certain prayers called intercessions, which are actually uh, requests of God, but for somebody else. And many times you, you get different prayer requests and different names of people that have specific needs and you lift them up in prayer. Uh, those are intercessions for, uh, for other people. And we're encouraged to ask of God. 
In fact, Paul says in a different uh, letter in Philippians 4, 6, he says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We're encouraged to ask God for things. And there's a good part of this, and a, a wonderful part of this, where embedded in this particular type of prayer, in this particular scripture, is the simple sheer fact that we stand in great need. We are limited in our human capacity. But we also have a relationship with God who is a provider. We need, God provides. And that's a, that's a good thing. But there's also a danger that comes out of this. And the danger is, if our approach to pr- prayer is request only, that whenever we go to God, it is only because we need something from him. It is a framework of prayer that, that, that we go to God only when we have need, or that only whenever we go to God, it is because we have requests of him. The danger is that it brings us to a place of of relationship with God that signals that God maybe is more of a genie in a bottle to grant our wishes than our Father, than our Creator, than our Savior. Prayer is really communication of relationship. Any person that you communicate with, it could be a complete stranger, once you begin communicating with them, you begin some type of relationship. Communication and relationship go hand in hand. But the closeness of your relationship and the communication of, your, of, of, of that relationship also go hand in hand. So uh, when I was, uh, before I was married to my wife Amanda, we were dating in a long distance relationship. I was living in Painesville Township and she was living in Bowling Green, Ohio, about what, three hours drive away. And it was hard to have a relationship long distance, especially because the only way to continue our relationship was to what? Was to communicate. And the only way we could communicate, because they didn't have video conferencing then, (laughs) they didn't have uh, video calls, the only way then was to talk on the phone. Well, let me tell you, after a long day of working, and the the, the need to communicate with this person that you like, and to, and to, to, to keep your relationship going, that communication can get a little dry on the phone. And suddenly over, you know, as long as you're thinking about an interesting topic to talk about, then the conversation on the phone is great. But, you know, that doesn't happen as, as often as you'd like, especially if you're sitting there on the phone. And so what happens? You just get, you result to hearing each other breathe <laughs> on the other end of, of the line. Communication and the closeness of relationship go hand in hand. And so, if we are seeing God in more of a transactional relationship, if we are seeing God in more of a business relationship, if we're seeing God as what he's done for us lately relationship, if we're keeping our relationship in a business forum, a transactional forum, 
then how does, that, how does our communication then reflect that? How does our communication, our prayer language, how does our communication, well, um, how, what's your communication with your boss? <laughs> what's your communication with a, a coworker? A lot of chit chat, a lot of water cooler talk. Very rarely gets to the core of our heart, of our lives, of our souls, our being. And yet that's what God is, is interested in. God is not our ATM. And this is why Paul says in, in Ephesians, he says, pray in the spirit. He says, pray in the spirit. Because there's lots of different ways to pray. There's lots of different ways to communicate depending on the relationship, the kind of relationship that we would have with God. But pray in the spirit, in the spirit. Because the spirit, the very presence of God is there and present and active and involved in your prayers. So I'll offer a little perspective. And it comes from the author, Paul, Paul was, is one of my heroes of the faith um, because of one particular thing that he did. And Paul was traveling around the Greco-Roman world and starting uh, churches and getting a lot of enemies as a result of this and ultimately led him to being arrested for his faith. And he was passed around with different trials and magistrates pleading his case. And he loved it because each time he got to talk to a governor or a ruler or, or a magistrate, whatever it would be, it was just a new way for him not to really defend himself but to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, it, things got so bad and there was so much tension that there were 40 men, that we learned, 40 men that took an oath that they're never, they were not going to eat or drink until Paul was dead, <laughs> okay? And so uh, things were really becoming tense, but ultimately he gave his defense and, and he was found to be really not guilty or um, at least guilty, but you know, time served. He could have been released, but instead he did something that only a Roman citizen could do, which is what he was, and that is to appeal to Caesar, which means that he wanted to take his case before Caesar, which meant that he had to be shipped over to Rome. And for him, it was just another way to continue to share the gospel. And he uses this, really, I think he's kind of being funny here. He uses this phrase that he's an ambassador in chains. Think about that. <laughs> he knows that while he's in chains, and he's reminded of this all the time because the way that they chained people in that day was, was to really inflict some kind of pain to remind them of their current state as a prisoner. Here he is in chains. He's reminded of his chains. He has no leverage. He has no, he has no voice as any kind of ambassador, but he calls himself an ambassador for God while he is in chains. When I was a missionary in Haiti, 
Uh, we got visited once by the United States ambassador to Haiti. It was actually quite an ordeal. He flew in with helicopter and there were all these bodyguards and people that looked really serious and they had guns and the whole thing. And we sat around and we waited for a long time for this person to arrive. And I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I always thought as, a, as an ambassador, as a, maybe a mediator, sort of a go-between person between helping to negotiate trade deals and different things between countries. And what I got, what I realized is that that ambassadors are politicians. <laughs> they really are not there to sort of go between two sides. They are representing, very clear, representing one side. <laughs> and their job was to ne- negotiate their side with whatever country or you know, whatever situation might, might come up. And that was a little jarring for me. Paul was also representing one side. It's why he appealed to Caesar. He saw each of these opportunities to share the good news of of Jesus Christ. And he says this um, in in, in Ephesians 6, 19. He says, pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. And here's the perspective of prayer that I want to offer to you. In the course of our making requests to God, so many times we engage, and maybe I'll speak for myself, I engage in what I would call flight prayers. God, would you solve my problem? God, would you give me the answers? God, would you end this sickness? God, would you remove this pain? God, would you give me that raise? God, would you fire the boss? That was just an example. Speaking generally here. God, would you take care of this problem? God, would you remove me from this relationship? God, would you get me out of here? And yet here's Paul. He's saying, no, I'm going I'm I'm to create more problems. God, get in here. His prayer was not, God, get me out of here. His prayer was, God, get in here. And in the perspective of our prayers, we think of ourselves and how we need to remove ourselves from the situation. And I wonder, in a new perspective, what would it look like if instead of praying ourselves out of a situation, we're praying God into them? That whatever problem we might face, whatever trial, tribulation, that we pray God into that situation instead of wishing to fly away. That suddenly we say, God, heal this relationship. God, influence this culture. God, change the atmosphere. God, help me to forgive and to love. God, give me the strength to serve. Lord, let me be obedient. Lord, grant me peace. Grant me strength. Grant me joy. Even if the circumstances around it, around me, want to steal that away. Perspective. O. Hallisby, in his book on prayer, he says, to pray is to let Jesus come into our hearts. And sometimes that prayer will do. As much as we might spend hours even in prayer, sometimes this is all we need. God, just come in. Just come into my heart, come into my situation, come into my life. 
So I have uh, some examples to, uh, to offer you. Some that might be churchy words that may not, may not make sense to you. You can Google them later. But there's all kinds of prayers that are available to us. Prayers of praise and, and adoration. Prayers of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. Prayers of confession. Prayers of repentance. Prayers of renewal. God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, uh, prayers of petition. Prayers of intercession. Prayers of affirmation. Prayers of centering. Breath prayers. Silence. Meditation. Prayers that you write down in a journal. Contemplation. Laying on of hands in prayer. Bowing on our knees in prayer. Folding our hands and closing our eyes in prayer. There are morning prayers. There are evening prayers. There are midday prayers. There's praying the scriptures. Praying the names of God. And if you're looking for a guide or a, um, a help, a tool for prayer, there are all kinds of them out there. And we can make those uh, suggestions available uh, to you. There are all kinds of prayers that we have access to. But there are times also when we don't really have the words where we go to sit down to pray and there's nothing. Actually, usually there is something. There is, oh, what do I have to do today? <laughs> what is my list? What are the things? And we get all jumbled up and busy in our minds and it's really hard. Or we try to sit down and carve out time for prayer and there's just no time and space to do it. And we just feel weak in our prayers. When Paul offers to pray all the prayers and supplications, but to do so in the spirit, it simply means that when we lack the language, when we lack the ability and strength, that the spirit is there to urge us on in prayer as well. Prayer is possible even if you're not feeling it or not. And Paul explains this in Romans, his letter to the Romans 8, 26 to 27. Take this to heart. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you do not know how to pray, don't be afraid. Simply make yourself available. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples in their own humility, and I love this, in their own humility, they come to Jesus and I think that they, they recognize that they've been doing it wrong. And they go to Jesus and they just have a simple request. And, and wonder if that could be our request here too this morning. 
Luke chapter 11, they go to Jesus and they simply say, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Don't sit under the pressure of having to have it all figured out in order to pray. Sometimes it's just that beginning question, Lord, you teach me how to pray? Teach me how to find the words? So as we, um, as we close here, I wonder if we could uh, practice this, uh, have a small time of, of practicing this. What, what I'd like to do, what, what follows this is something we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and in our spirit of our hearts saying, Lord, teach us how to pray, what I'd like us to do is, is, is lead us through a prayer exercise of, of the Lord's Prayer. And some of you have it memorized, so you know it by heart. But I'm gonna stop along the way and ask that you would add your own prayers, whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your spirit, just offering that to God. I'm gonna elaborate on what some of these different things mean and give you just a little space to offer your own words. So it'll go like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glorify yourself. We adore and praise who you are. Offer your own prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, have your way. Bring down your justice and your mercy. Let heaven come down here on this earth where you are on the throne. And every knee will bow and tongue confess. Give us this day our daily bread. God, we need. We ask for your providence. Forgive us our trespasses. Cleanse our sin, Lord.
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh Lord, let us forgive. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Protect us, O oh God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? So, I ask now that you pray according to the proximity of God. Jesus is so close. Communicate that way. The Holy Spirit is within you. Talk to God in that way. Be a praying people. Let that be the first solution to your troubles and not the last resort. So that you know wherever you go, whatever you face, life is not going to be perfect the Spirit of God will be with you. Go in the power of his name, in the power of his love, and in his peace. Amen. You are dismissed.